Welcome to the Highway Fastest Growing Podcast in Southwest Missouri. Yep. We are not in Southwest Missouri. We're at an undisclosed location with uh, two guests. Yeah. Four guests. There's actually four people in the uh, room. Uh, this is our. This is the first audience of season two. We had a live audience. Yeah, of season two. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a live audience in in uh, hash browns and avocados. Yeah. In the first season, but uh, thanks for listening. Welcome to episode. I always say uh, that. Yeah, I don't know knows? what episode is mm-hmm. going to drop, but I can for sure say this is probably the <laughs> episode that I have looked forward to the most. Yeah. And. probably the most requested guest not probably by far yeah the most requested guest that we have had on the highway i would agree i would agree with that so i've got my uh myself obviously smee hello how are you you've got cords wrapped yeah i'm a little tangled but i'll smee sitting on carpet and just with no chair because we're not gentlemen (laughs) just sit on the floor it's fine everything good yeah i'm Great. Are you excited? Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. All right. And we got a uh, season, I'll see, a return from season one. A return guest, yes. Who got the highest ratings. Now, hang on. Yeah, if you're going to start quoting, like, well, numbers, he I got the second up. highest ratings, but here's my argument in his case. The episode one got the first highest ratings, but you have to listen to episode one to get to his episode, which was seven. So I think that... <laughs> yes, I think one that is, is less than seven. Okay, seven you're going to need to really just check one. it and rein it in right now. Okay. Uh, no, but I think that he actually won. Okay. Even though the numbers are different. Anyway, <laughs> it's what it is. So we have... We're going with... Uh, first name. Greg. Greg yeah. from Interdiction Extraordinaire <clears throat> yeah. is back. How's it going? It's great, man. I'm, I'm happy to be back. But I'm more <laughs> happy to be sitting next to this guy. So This... Uh, <laughs> caveman of a person <laughs> who's got just Copenhagen just strung about his, well, I shouldn't say his resident, an undisclosed location. Yeah, you're careful. Yeah. So, hey, how do you feel about getting, um, I think, the highest ratings in season one? Man, that's awesome. Um, I just, I, I think what I was trying to get across there is like, you know, I'm excited about my job still, 22, 23 years in, and you know, when you hear people complain about the job, it's like you really got to look at yourself first and say, what can I do to make my position better? And I think that resonated with some people. And so I was I was happy to see that, um, you know, that message get carried out. And I've had some people say some stuff to me that I, I thought was uh, pretty positive. So I hope, you know, I love what you guys do with this. Um, it's, it's encouraging. I'm excited to be back for part two. Well, we love to have you back, and I appreciate you getting <laughs> this guy, because you talked him into it. Absolutely. I had tried to, and he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And what I actually pulled into work, and he, I said, hey, man, you should be on the podcast. And he actually, he's like, I'm not doing that, and ran off. Mm-hmm. He was going on a run. Unsurprising. And then you and start a group test. He just ran off into the woods somewhere. He did. He just ran off. I'm like, okay, well, I guess he's not going to be on it. <laughs> and then Greg starts like a group text, and like three texts in, AG agrees to be on. That's what we're going with, right? Yeah. We can edit anything in. I'm pretty good yeah, at this Yeah, we can bleep or edit. <laughs> sure. So AG says, I'm going to be on it, but Greg's got to be, or I had to be shirtless. You have to be pantless. Wasn't that the kind of Which we are. So yeah. we, we are. Co- we follow through with our, our commitment men of, to this. Men of our word. And then Shitney has to be here too, who is in attendance. 
In her own character, in her own In her own character, yeah. She's got to be next episode, I think. My legal counsel. But anyway, so we have the man, the myth, the legend, the jaw of a cinder block, A.G. Yep. Dude, you're so lean. What's so funny is like, nobody can see this, but he's just, he's laid back, he doesn't want to be no, he <laughs> doesn't, uncomfortable. I've that. never seen him so uncomfortable. <laughs> Unless he had a needle in his arm. <laughs> yeah. That's the only agenda item is someone's going to come, like we have a, like a phlebotomist just waiting outside yeah, to come true. in here. So Smee and I were on the way here and I said, or AG is just great. We'll edit that. Yeah, we'll edit that. AG is like so like easy to talk to and he's so confident. I said, I wonder what he's going to be like. When you put a mic in front of him. In a hot mic situation. In a hot mic situation. And now I see. Yeah. He's just sitting there with his Crocs on and two-wheel drive. I've seen him in tougher... I've seen seen him in tougher situations, though. We were on the SWAT team together for six or seven years. Yeah. And... (laughs) Ish. Yeah. And there was this... uh, Okay, can I... Give me a a time frame. What what year is this? I don't know. Something BC. So I came on in... uh, 2008? Okay. Yeah. 2007, somewhere in there. And you came on, Greg? 2001. Okay. So, this is like the first call of the night, because we had, we had back-to-back calls that night, if you remember, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had well, that was the first one of two, but yeah. Yeah. So, this guy, he was uh, crazy. barricaded inside this house. Yeah, crazy. And, like We were launching gas into the house, and we breach and hold the, the doors, this guy's slamming his face down in a sink full of water, yep. and raising it back up, and he yells at us, I'm not your smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we have to make entry into the residence, and he's got, like, samurai swords. And well, we don't that. have to, but we did. That's true. We do things pretty different nowadays. <laughs> we did it, but we yeah. didn't have to. It's different nowadays. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so, so this guy's like, barricaded something barricaded, back yeah. in my day. Yeah, so they had a 96-hour hold for the dude, right? So it's a civil he was capping off first rounds throughout the city. That yeah, day. he's crazy. I mean, the dude's legitimately nuts. And so the sheriff's department goes over there to try to get, make contact with this guy. And they knock on the, well, I think, window, maybe door or whatever. So it's, a, it's like a house that they had divided. It's a big old house they divided into four different apartments. Um, Two-story, right, left, and upstairs, right, left. So the dude's downstairs in the left apartment for whatever, and the deputies contact him, and they didn't do anything wrong, but they contact him, and the guy's holding a freaking, like, sword, like a like a battle axe. A legit like, samurai. Yeah, we're talking about, like, Mel Gibson, like, like Patriot? Know, freedom type okay. freaking <laughs> sword. So Braveheart? Sword. <laughs> yeah, bra- oh, yeah, Braveheart. So yeah, I'm going Patriot, oh, wait, my fault. William wrong Wallace? movie. My yeah. Wrong movie. Okay. And so, uh, so they're like, okay, well... And so they uh, they throw a flashbang in there, and they, they freaking shoot this guy with OC. Well, the guy's crazy, so that doesn't, you know, that doesn't do anything. So they're like, hey, we need to come rouse this guy, get this guy out of the house. And then we show up. Go ahead. Yeah, so we show up, and uh, we had this great, you know, leader at the time. That's for sure. Man, solid guy that never made it beyond sergeant, but he was just top shelf. And uh, he's like, all right, you guys pop some uh, gas in there, so... Or uh, pop some smoke in there so we can uh-huh. have some coverage. So we pop smoke and it wasn't smoke. It wasn't smoke. <laughs> I didn't read the labels and I'm like, <laughs> my eyes are watering. I've got snot coming out of my nose. And I'm like, what is that? And the sergeant's like, it's just smoke. <laughs> and we're like, it's not smoke, man. It wasn't. It was it was CS gas. Yeah. And uh, it's not good. So this guy, we end up making entry into the residence 
and we go hands on with the guy. So I'm the shield guy. Uh, AG is my number two. He goes he goes hands on with the guy, and we're wearing gas mask and a helmet combination. That when you have the helmet on with the gas mask, if you grab the canister and shove it up, it will take that strap of that helmet and choke you, mm -hmm. which is not something we considered in the past. Now we now we know things. It's to, also not something we consider ideal. It's not great to be in that spot. No. So he's choking AG out. Ow. Ow. Wait a second. Wait a second. Ow. How do we get to the point where he's choking AG out? You make entry. You make entry, and the guy. I, I tried to hit him with the shield and to Didn't put him down on the ground. That doesn't work. Okay. AG goes hands on. The guy just grabs what he can grab. Okay. He's the, pushing it. Okay. The big okay. canister, and he just pushes that up over his head, which causes him to choke him with this helmet strap. <laughs> and we're on the ground at this point, and this guy is just continuing to wrench forward on his head. Shitney, do you know this story? Yeah. So. She nods. A slight nod. Yes. Yeah. She knows a with different a, version of this story. But with yeah. an eye, rock, uh, eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I think that AG's in some, he's in a bad spot. I was in a bad spot. That confirms my belief. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got this ballistic shield. And keep in mind, I, I had, at that point in time, I had no grappling experience. I didn't know what to do. And so, being just a caveman, I just grabbed my shield like a guillotine, and I tried to just chop that guy's head off, which didn't work. <laughs> and we finally peeled the guy off of him and, you know, I don't know if he lost consciousness or not, but he's... I did. He's unconscious at this point, sucking in gas, and it I'm was horrible. I'm a gas sucker. What's that? I'm a gas sucker. Yes, you are. <laughs> and the guy's got you know, swords everywhere. It's like he had those TV trays, those aluminum yeah. ones from back yeah, in the day. he was a knife guy. They're all over the place, full of knives. And when we're wrestling, those things are all falling over and all the knives. And so AG's laying on top of And there's of like freaking two inches of water on the floor because he had flooded his apartment. Yeah, that's right. It was this absolute chaos. And it's one of those events that we learned a lot from because one, you know, looking now, if we were to do that same event today, we would have made entry into that residence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, learning from our mistakes there. Um, it, was a, it was a different era in the mindset there. It was like, you tell that person they need to do something, they've got to do it, you go make them do it. Yeah, we got a piece of paper that says we can do this, and so we're going to do it. Yeah. And, like, consequences be damned or whatever, and you just do it. Right? So, like, the old mindset of ask, tell, make, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, and I think it's even the old mindset of, like, uh, you know, with search warrants, you go, we got a search warrant, and this is how we're going to solve this problem. Is we're going to serve a search warrant, and this is the way search warrants are solved. Instead of, like, thinking about it probably more judiciously along the lines of uh, not only, like what's best for us, but what's best for him. I don't think that guy meant me, and he's dead now. Um, I don't hold any ill will. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he's not dead because of that incident. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he died He died in unrelated, you know, for an unrelated reason. But Unrelated to you as well. I just I want to make sure we're clear. I really that. don't think he meant me any harm at all. I don't hold any ill will towards him at all. I grabbed a hold of him. I don't think he had a, had a legitimate grasp of reality and uh no different than if somebody grabs a hold of you you're gonna fight back sure and that yeah. was just the way it was but it was good i mean it worked out all right as things to do i i had a nice nap as a result of that <laughs> <laughs> so was this the first time you guys met or the first oh, no. case okay you yeah we knew each other for a long time okay professionally I guess how you started, or yeah, no, we didn't yeah, know we each other until we got on the agency. Okay, I want to go back to AG. First, let's get a little background on you because nobody 
not nobody. That's but, on purpose. Yeah. Really cares. knows. <laughs> no, they do. They cares. do care. That's why you're on here. Um, kind of fill us in on your background as much as you want to tell. I know it's going to be so limited, so I'm going to have to ask more questions. Yeah. But as much as you want to tell your background to where you are today. Within the agency or just in general? Well, I mean, in general, I'm talking, I mean, whatever you want to tell. So I went to high school and I graduated high school and I went to college for a little bit and that didn't work out. So I <laughs> did other things and then I went back to college and it worked out again. Okay. And so then I graduated and got, became part of the agency. And then I, uh, um, you know, I worked on the road for about 10 years, just over 10 years. And I was on the SWAT team for about eight years and then uh, came down to the academy. I was at the academy for about seven years and now I'm in the job that I do now. So Okay. That's Short and sweet. I knew that yeah. was going to be just, just directly to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. a not a bit of information more. Well, what do you want to know? Hey, so what did you do in between college and then going back to college? You said you did some things. Yeah, so I uh, uh, worked at uh, Bass Pro Shop in Columbia. Not the new Bass Pro Shop, the old one. So for like people that are maybe fans of uh, like, you know, Southern Rock type, like if you get into like Sunbolt and things like that, they used to Seeing about a store that had a sign outside of it said liquor, guns, and ammo. So Bass Pro sold liquor, guns, and ammo all at the same place. That's where I worked. Uh, That's how he got hooked. He was like, yeah. I gotta work there. The dude, uh, the dude that owned it, uh, the guy by the name of Tom Foster. I don't know if Tom's still alive, but Tom was a recon army recon dude in Vietnam, and Tom's one of those guys that, uh, like, he's an American, and I look at him. Like that, like he was true in America, like hardcore red blood up yeah, by God, without American. question, like hundred percent. Right. And uh, and he, when he got out of the freaking service, and he he opened up a store, and he ended up. It was called Bass Pro. The funny thing is, it's called Bass Pro Shop, but it wasn't affiliated with the John Johnny Morris Bass Pro Shop. So when Johnny Morris started Bass Pro, as the story goes, he was having a hard time, um, or at least he wasn't making money like he is now. And so he would sell franchises. So he sold all these franchise Bass Pro stores. And uh, Tom bought a franchise. And then sometimes later, Johnny Morse came back and tried to buy all those up. And Tom Foster said, no, I'm not selling it to you. So the funny thing about that is, is that we would have people come into the store that would have gift certificates from Bass Pro Shop. And they'd be like, we want to use this. And we're like, yeah, we're not affiliated. And they're like, well, it's by God, it's the same thing. And Tom would like, he'd be like, go f- yourself you can't you're not we're not using this here and that was and so tom like there was a bunch i watched tom ban a guy from the store over a three dollar bow hook like (laughs) you hook a bow on a freaking tree and a guy comes in and the thing's straightened out and he walks in and he throws it on the counter he's like i want a new bow hook and we're like so me and the other guy that were working tom's in his office smoking because nobody's allowed to smoke in the store except tom and so tom's back there <laughs> smoking and this guy comes in he goes i want a new bow hook and we're like yeah so like you don't we're not going to give you a new bow hook and he said well i want to talk to the owner we're like you don't want to talk to the owner because that's like you just don't want to do that you just freaking eat the money and as a matter of fact we were going to buy him a new bow hook to avoid to not what, talk to the owner yeah to avoid what ended up happening which was take me to the owner Right, and we're like, all right, man, you wanted this. And so Tom, so we walk back, and Tom's sitting there smoking cigarettes, doing the books or whatever it is Tom did. And uh, we hand him the bow hook, and he goes, what the fuck is that? And I said, oh, that's a bow hook. Customer claims it. He straightened it out, and he goes, no, he's full of shit. And the the customer's standing there, so he says, hey, man, you don't stand by your product. 
And he starts this rambling of how much money I spend here and blah, blah, blah. And Tom says, let me stop you right there. And he says, I don't care how much money you spend here. You're banned from the store forever. Over a $3 bow hook. <laughs> nice. And the guy's like, well, this is bullshit. You can't do this. And Tom throws the bow hook at him, which is now a bow line. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a dart. Yeah, he throws it at him. Yeah. And he goes, get the f*** out of my store. Don't ever come back. And so we like walk the guy up. Front and he's like, yeah, I shouldn't have talked to him. We're like, we warned you, man. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, is that like, yeah, that's like the American spirit of. Yeah, I love that. Right? Don't put up with. Don't put up with. It, it's exactly right. It's like, <laughs> hey, you're in my store. You play by my rules. It, it is what it is. So don't tread on me. That's right. Hey, did, did was there somebody that like hit on you in that store and just yeah. wouldn't like she just was adamant about asking you Seems how. like a place to pick up chicks. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to, I don't really know the story, but you're trying to mind your own business. That's exactly what I was doing. It's selling fish poles. There's three people involved in the store. One of these people is dead. Again, not, like I didn't kill this person. Anybody knows you, we need to clarify that. His name, yeah. his name was Larry. Larry Powers. <laughs> Larry was a great guy. And so, yeah, somebody walks in, Shitney, she walks in, and she wanted a, a, a freaking uh, fishing reel service. Now, does she which, beeline it to you? She's like, I'm going to talk. Could you feel it? She's coming at you. I don't remember if I felt that, but I remember seeing her when she came in thinking, I want to service her reel. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's like carrying this thing, and she walks in, and she's like, I want this serviced. And we're like... Look, here's the deal. You you walk into a retail store, like, and you're like, they provide this service. We don't know anything about service and reels. Right. Like, I mean, I was a college dropout, <laughs> and I was drunk most of the time, probably drunk then. And she's like, I need this serviced. And of course, what do we say? Yeah, I'll service your reel. Yeah. yeah. Listen to those kids up there. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'll service your reel. And so I take it, and I'm like. Do you know yeah. what you're doing, or you're just like, screw it, she's... Dude, I didn't know what... Like, I would... We were lucky to get the door unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the level you're dealing with here. And, like, no shit. So, so I'm like, yeah, I'll service your reel. So, I take the reel apart, and just absolutely... Like, it's... Man, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. It's an abortion. <laughs> and so, I take it, and I freaking squirt grease on yeah. it in places squirt and some oil on it yeah yeah put it back together and i'm like they put it in the done pile mm -hmm. you're like somebody's gonna come in and it's gonna be fine so she apparently comes in and then takes it to a fishing trip and alleges that i put it back together wrong which i'm an idiot but it's a fishing reel yeah right <laughs> it's not like we're talking like i wasn't designing nuclear you're devices not, you're not designing like dog chairs where you <laughs> right. Dog in. right this isn't a dog chair yeah. we're talking about yeah. this is a real so i think she lied but whatever <laughs> and so she comes back in and she talks to larry bowers now larry was a navy veteran retired from the navy larry was a super good guy um and super patient so she comes back in i'm not working because you know I mean, I can only do so you're much. Drunk so, at home. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's either drunk at work or drunk at home. And so I'm drunk at home. And um, Larry calls me. He's like, hey, did you fix a reel for some chick? And I'm like, for shit, Larry. I don't know. And it's possible that could happen. And he said, uh, well, she's all been out of shape about it. And I said, well, that's, that's tough luck. It is what it is, right? 
And so apparently what had happened is she alleged that I put it together wrong. So she comes back in. So she learns my schedule because she's a creeper. Yeah. And so she comes back in. This is all checking out. This is all checking out. She comes back in and and when I'm working and she's like, hey. And I'm like, hey. She goes, you broke my stuff. And I'm like, there's near, look at the sign, lady. It's like, no freaking guarantees expressed or applied. You know? You should have gone somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, she's like, "You, uh, I think I got it fixed. You put a part. You put the freaking Spitzer valve in backwards or whatever." So the hell she it is. fixes it now. She's saying she fixes. It. Or you that's did. what she alleged. Okay, I yeah, didn't fix alleged. anything because I didn't break it in the first place. Alleged, why would I break? Right. Why did Larry I fix something it. that I didn't break in the first place? Larry, Larry fixed it. Okay, see, so you alleged Larry fixed it. But anyway, <laughs> so she comes back in. She's like, "You owe me a fishing trip," and I'm like, I, uh, "Well, okay." I guess. <laughs> So we go fishing and we got married. <laughs> After that fishing well, trip. Fishing yeah. trip yeah. Yeah, we got caught a few bass, got married, had some kids, and here we are. I gotta wipe the tears from my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, such yeah, a romantic. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, good. that's just kind of the way that thing went down. So. And she's here today listening to you on mm-hmm. I mean just ramble really, about Yeah, nonsense. just ramble about yeah. yeah. The yeah. of your career. Mm-hmm. Right here. She claims you never fixed it. Oh, okay. Larry. Okay, Larry. Larry. Sorry. Yeah. Gotcha. That's possible. Larry's dead, so there's no way we can talk about Larry. Or actually talk with Larry about whether or not that happened or not. <laughs> we can't check so that. So we call Larry right now. Yeah, I was like, I'll get I'll to the bottom of this. Yeah, we've been known to get to the bottom of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you board out. All right. I want to talk about how y'all two, because you didn't, you didn't know each other prior to working in law enforcement. So how did y'all two meet? He, he actually worked with my brother mm-hmm. at the true patient. So it's true. Um, Something came up, and my brother's like, "Hey, you need to latch on to AG. That guy's squared away." And uh, and we had this uh, might have been a special operation or something. We worked together or something. Pretty clearly squared away, not just squared away, but like had a square chin. Mm-hmm. So that 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 thing is yeah, squared out, yeah. yeah. And, Side uh, effect of lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly. learning. Yeah, I'm learning this. The SWAT team openings came open, and and uh, he he applied for it and. Everybody was immediately impressed and came on the team, made an instant impact. He was solid thinker, solid tactical thinker. Um, you know, not not the kind of guy that was just going to act on emotion and stuff like that, but a, a person that was going to, you know, act on his training, act on uh, well thought out you know, plans. And man, that 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 panned out more than you know anything. And then eventually goes off to the uh, academy, man, I, and just was teaching our new hires, and I thought, this is a good thing for us, and it's just, it was really awesome. And so now, now he's in the same uh, division that I'm in, and it's, uh, it's a big bonus for us as well. But we had, you know, several calls and stuff together that were a lot of fun. I mean, we, we did that call where you get choked out, and it's that same, <laughs> that same call, he gets uh, something stabs him, or maybe you break glass or something or whatever, yeah, I got cut. It was raining knives, apparently, on that one. Yeah. and it, it, we, had, we, had, we had another call later that night as well. But anyway, he goes home that night. He finds out that he's been exposed and cut somehow. We don't know how. Either. We were in this dirty, dirty-ass apartment. Who knows what it is. And so you got to take exposure protocols and stuff like that. I remember that being like a 48-hour day by the time it was all yeah, said was, and done. Yeah, that was not good. And that was, you know, that's an example right there of... of at the time, poor leadership because some people didn't take it seriously what happened to him. 
we all did. We knew we knew what had happened to him, and then he gets cut on top of that. We got it, you know, all that stuff going on. It's, you know, it's not something I would see happen today, but you know, we get him to the hospital, get him checked out, get blood drawn, make sure he's not contaminated with this this guy's cooties or whatever. So, yeah, it was a crazy night. And then let me go on this other call that one of my favorite ones is uh, we had this uh, militia that was operating in the state. And when I, grew, when I was growing up as a kid, one of the militia members shot an officer through his kitchen window. Okay. I was going to ask about the story. Yeah. I'm glad you're bringing it up. All right. So that was 1987. <laughs> I was a 10-year-old kid at the time when that happened. I remember, like, crawling around my house because I was terrified that we were next, you know. And so growing up, the kid of a cop, you know, that's the kind of stress that you you think about, I guess. And... uh it was a, such a wild operation because we were told to prepare for a Department of Homeland Security evaluation on our, on our uh, capability for readiness and to bring all our equipment and show up in a certain location. Like when we left the house, that's what it was. Yeah. And it, it was, was like, a training deal. You know, like you're going to be on for two or three days and... Uh, and then you'll be back. And so you have no like, idea what's going on other than what you just said. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so our, our, our lieutenant at the time just kept it completely. Which they had to, knowing sure. now what it was. Yeah. yeah. They had to. So we show up to this hotel, and uh, we were going to go out and get something to eat. We were going to go hang out. And our uh, lieutenant calls us into his room, and so there's like 20 of us packed inside this little hotel room. And the lieutenant's like, we're down the southern part of the state. And he's like, hey, this isn't a training exercise. And, man, I, I knew right away. I said, man, we're going after that Timothy Thomas Coombs, aren't mm-hmm, we? Mm-hmm. And Lieutenant shakes his head and says, hell yeah, we are. And I was stoked because, you know, for, for my entire life, that guy had been the most wanted person in our agency. And for that to uh, be an opportunity that I had, being a 10-year-old kid now, being a, you know, a 25, however old I was at the time, person that's on the SWAT team that's going to be able to have an opportunity to go after that, I thought that was awesome. The only person that's ever shot one of our people that's not been brought to justice. Right on. Like that's a that's kind of a you know it's kind of a big deal. Oh, huge deal. It sticks in our craw in the worst way to have that guy not accounted for. He he may be dead or you know that's that's the prevailing. uh, Inshallah. Yes. So then we uh, we find out what what is we're going to do. We're going to go onto this compound that's. 400 acres in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of the Ozarks and we know that there's you know, this is a compound basically that this person has been training people on how to do abortion clinic bombings down in Phoenix, Arizona and these people have been training up there and we can't just like get dropped off roadside and walk into this place like we do on every other hit that we do. So we had a land nav into that place and so land navigation is something our agency uh, trained us on we mm-hmm. actually had a really good training that ag put on for us one time on land navigation so we land navved in several miles uh during the middle of the night and we got there early enough that we could sleep for like an hour and then we got up and we did the the, the warrant service on this compound that this guy was kind of like a cult leader of an extremist group <clears throat> we're going to go arrest him and we're going to take down the other people who live on the property as well. So, oh, so I want to clarify. Yeah. So you guys walk through, or how long, how far do you walk? And you guys actually sleep, like in the middle yeah. of the woods? Yeah, I think it was like uh, 
five or six miles that we yeah, had to be dropped off. Uh, night, nighttime, in the middle of the night. So yeah. you're cruising through the woods in the middle of the night. Can Four. you see any like flashlights? Can you see anything? What's what's no, kind of we, set the scene? So we had night vision, um, but it was it was really really early version of night vision. So. It was basically just enough that you could see the person in front of you. Uh-huh. So what it wound up with being was basically you had an arm on the person in front of you, and then the person behind you had an arm on you. So there's like 40 dudes in a straight line walking through uh, the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so like the hills of the Ozark, so it's brush. It's, it's oh, brush, yeah, it and, we, and we have we have some people shooting different different azimuths to be able to get to different areas of the of the property. And I remember one of our groups came upon a cliff that they didn't recognize on the topo map and they about walked right off that cliff. Oh, shoot. That was, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was. It was hairy. We get laid down and we go to sleep, if anybody could get to sleep, and then we wake up at daylight and we do this this warrant service. And so we, we hit the warrant service of all the structures that are on the property. That goes down fine with no, with no problem. And then there was a, a bunch of caves. Yeah. And they're like... Hey, we need people to go clear these caves that we've got identified. Which is part of the intel that the guy was... Uh, so part of what this guy was doing was he was training people in that movement, call it the you know Christian identity, white supremacist, like nationalist movement. Basically, these people were, were pretty hardcore anti-government folks, mm-hmm. right? And uh, what he would do, his niche was, is that he would come out, or people would come out, and they would live there, and he would train them to live in caves and off the land and blah, 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 and this and the other. So we had some intelligence that, that this was kind of going to be the case, but I don't know that we necessarily, I don't want to say took it seriously, but recognized yeah. it for what it was until we saw it. This yeah. was in Van, the Van Buren area, right? No, this is, down like, this is McDo- down like McDonald County. McDonald County, so the oh. very far corner of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the famous, at least it was famous to me, um, attributes of these people is that they would wear these uh, fringe right uh on their clothing so like uh back in the 70s and 80s people would have curtains and they'd make curtains with these uh little uh fringe off there with the little balls hanging off of them they all had them on their clothes on the seaming seams of the like clothes. the beads or like ball, no like, like the, little oh. fabric balls mm. yeah. yeah yeah so it's which just represents kinda, the fringe of society like that's what it was is yeah. they would wear fringe clothing saying that like we're not mainstream society that we adhere to this mm. type yeah. of stuff. They shot this trooper over a driving while suspended driver's license. Through his kitchen. While he was getting his daughter a bowl ice of ice cream. cream. Mm. And so, you know, that was that was terrifying. And uh, anyway, so we go we go do the hit, everything's fine on those structures, but then we gotta go after these caves and so they needed a group to go after the caves and <laughs> uh, me and A G were just like, Yeah, we wanna go do that. Of course. Yeah, we're, we're cave people. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, we're, we've got experience. You guys are a shade away I've from caves. Anyway. I've spent some time in caves. <laughs> Anybody yeah. got any caves for him? Well, yeah. I've, I've lived in a couple caves. Funny, lucky for you, I've been in the Mark Twain cave once or twice in my life on school field trips. So we we go into these caves, and these caves were incredible. They were as big as uh, you know rooms in your house that you could drive a golf cart into. To Some of them were, many of them were so small that you had to gear down and like fold yourself together into a small little ball and you like wiggle yourself into those spots. And it was like extremely claustrophobic. But it was a, a June what, day. What t- yeah, I was gonna say, what time of year is this? It's, it's gotta it was, be freaking hot. It was June, it was humid. I remember being over 90 degrees and we were just, our camelbacks were dry at that point in time. It was just exhausting. Yeah. 
And uh, I'll say it here because it's a it's a great story. But we had one guy that was pulling rear, rear security for us, <laughs> <laughs> and he was way rear security, and we were exhausted. And I'm like, hey man, you want to take the next one? Hey man, you want to hit this cave? And he's like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me, man? This we guy never went in a cave. Never went in a cave. And we were. Did you feel that your rear was secure? <laughs> he had her back. <laughs> I had no Way doubt. Way back. So we were covered there. But it was it was such an interesting call to go on because every every cave we went into had at least some type of uh, ammo can in mm-hmm. there with survival kit in there. So you didn't know if you were crawling into like a wild animal. You didn't know if you were going to find the suspect, a booby trap, whatever. Because you know people have been in there before. Yeah. As evidenced by these uh, ammo boxes that were left there strategically. I'm not trying to interrupt you, but it's like set the set the scene. So you're crawling into this thing. Are you armed? I assume. Yeah. Flashlight. Flashlight, and, and it was like the tunnel rats of Vietnam is what best way we could put yeah, it at the time. Just, it was like you, so your hand, double hands first. Flashlight, gun, ice or firearm. I yeah. assume. Yeah. Yeah. And we just crawl our way in there, wiggle our way into some of these. Having spots. no idea what's in there. Right. And what's like what's going through your mind? You got to be going. Priority. This dude can literally blow me up. Priority of threats for me was wild animal going to chew my face off. (laughs) Uh, They don't generally chew your face off. Thank you. And then it was, uh, from there, it was uh, booby traps uh, to actually finding our target, you know, Timothy Thomas Coombs, which I've been stoked to find that guy. But I remember, like, at times I would hold on to AG's legs as he'd go in there because you don't know when that thing's going to just drop off into nothing. Um, so he could just slide off. Yeah, he just I mean, didn't okay. know. And then we we clear it, or you could, you could get in there and then it open up. But it was I'm claustrophobic, man. I do not like being mm-hmm. you know, all the earth around me potentially going to crush me or whatever. Yeah. But uh, well, you're a control freak, so that's, yeah, I'm a control freak. Yeah, we so. proved that tonight. I mean, <laughs> clearly, yeah. So that that was a really exciting call for that and and nerve-wracking and we were exhausted because this had been going on since the night before of, you know, getting revealed this information that this wasn't a call for service that was for training. It was actually a call for service for a warrant service. It, It was a... It was exciting. It was definitely. It was. It was. A, it was a really neat thing to be involved with. How many? Was. How many hours did that go on? Like just clearing caves. I mean, I'm from that area, so I can imagine how many freaking caves are on this property. Man, I would guess probably about two or three hours, probably that we went from cave to cave. Maybe more than that. Might have been more than that. In June. In June. That yeah, was hot. I mean, there's no question. Uh, we gone into the evening. Uh, I know it was like 1600 by the time we were done. He killed a copperhead. Yeah, I killed a copperhead. In the cave. No, it was out on the just a, no, outside just, of the cave. Get on ask the cave before we got there. Hey, we're gonna edit in that you chewed the copperhead in half. <laughs> I have well, a, he has a picture. Through the he cave. has a picture of him with the copperhead in his mouth. <laughs> I actually do. I actually do have that picture. If, uh, you need proof. Yeah. So that was you know that was another one of those instances of just like going through an experience with him and and uh, doing some. Stuff that you never thought you'd be doing in this job yeah. before, get to do it him and and you know he conducts himself in a really smart way all the time and I he's sitting there sh- shaking, shaking his, his head. head you know? Yeah, he acts like this dude's squared away though. He, <laughs> I mean, I think shouldn't even say he's a shit show. But that's true. We all would, but he's so squared away. You know what I mean? Really like is. I don't understand how he does both roles. 
so well. Man, that was that that whole deal. Seriously, that whole deal was like, uh, um, like I think you inherit. Like I didn't know who who freaking Coombs was before I came on the patrol, and that happened before you know I was f- seven years old when that happened, and I inherited that. Um, I don't want to say anger, but you know you inherit that lineage. Yeah, of going, off yeah, that. like this that's that guy that wore my uniform. Yeah, or I wore his uniform more yeah. appropriately, and this happened to him. And you inherit that in the sense that you go, okay, you inherit that desire for justice. I yeah. guess maybe is, a, is the best way to responsibility put it. to to go. Yeah, absolutely. And so then at that point you get that opportunity. And I'll never forget. Um, like he was talking about when we got to that that briefing and they were like this is the deal and so like full disclosure that was not about Timothy Coombs that was about a different guy that that was involved in the whole group or whatever but then they were like so this was another agency we were doing this for and they said uh, you know that there's a possibility that Timothy Coombs is living there Mm -hmm. and and I I think every one of us probably felt the same way when you heard that it was a combination of uh like partial erection. <laughs> so and, you're half mass and, at this and point also, or half staff? Yeah. Okay. And also like hair standing up on the back of your neck. Yeah. Like it's like God, I'm feeling yeah. Right? I, yeah. It's just like, yeah. Like this guy hurt one of our guys uh-huh. before I knew who our guys were. Um but this is an opportunity to and it and it wasn't like I mean, you know, I don't know who your listeners are, but it's not like, yeah, we're going to go hurt this person, but it's like, I mean, that's what justice is, right? Sure. That's like that's like us taking care of ourselves, which is what it is, right? What it's about, We yeah. take care of our people, and and that was cool. I mean, that was something that I that I don't think I've, well, I know that I've never experienced that since. Yeah, I, I, I still am really bothered by the fact that we haven't brought that guy to justice because... I his, think he's dead. His family suffered so much. Yeah, every every bit of intelligence that we have is saying that that guy's dead. Right. I mean, we've gone even to South America right. on on tips on this guy, and and uh, you know, best that we can determine now is that he's dead somewhere in the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, somewhere out in West uh, out South in, Carolina, South Carolina, mm-hmm. somewhere in the marshes out there, uh, from what we understand, because he brought too much heat to the to the movement. So, yeah, f- that guy. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I hope Steve, he's getting, don't edit that out. Keep that in. I okay. hope, he's, uh, hope he's being, you know, eaten by Serviced in the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> Serviced in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, you, you play adult games, you get adult prizes. And he deserved every bit of it. So anyway, it was one of those things where you go, yeah, to his point, and which is absolutely true as it goes, I mean, you start to, so, um, you know, service to other people and then service to people that have sacrificed more than you is what this job's about. Yeah. I think, personally. Mm-hmm. And you go, you have, you know, like, like that was a bunch of dudes. I hope that that, that officer's family, they'll never know this, but recognize that you get people that are, that was the motivation. Because it was just another warrant. You know? Right. It was like anything else. But in the it back of everyone... It wasn't. It was, yeah. in the back of everyone in our minds, it was like... Hey, we are we are bringing justice to this situation. Mm-hmm. We're trying to find this person that did this thing to one of our people, and uh, and I don't, I don't know if it gets any more yeah. important than that, right? 
Has that kind of affected the rest of your career, or has that yeah, played a part in the rest? I mean, obviously, I've heard this story, and I love hearing. I've listened to it twenty more times. You can easily. get it on Amazon if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll dive a little bit further on the topic. I probably better not end up getting sued. Uh, but yeah. So how has that played into your career? Because you were what twenty? I assume twenties at the time. Yeah, I was in late twenties. I mean, that's young to be tasked with something like that. It's wild where we get tasked with. Like, I think when I was started this career, I was 22 years old, and it's like, holy cow, can you believe the stuff that we're doing in this career? Yeah. Right. And when I was... It's like a high school football player, then one day they're going, hey, by the way, you're a professional football player tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a lot of responsibility, and that's, that's exciting. That's exhilarating. I'm the kind of person that wants the ball... When the clock's tick and the score's yeah. tied, you know, fourth right. and long, I want to be able to have that opportunity. Um, and that's what I, I love about this job is that we're recording this on 9-11. Yeah. 9-11 is my favorite day to work because, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in the job yet, but I was, my, I was supposed to start the academy on like 9-16. And 9-11 happened. They pushed us off one more month. and Because of 9-11? Because of 9-11. Okay. And so I was, uh, ever since then, it was like, man, I wanted to work every 9-11 because I was hoping I would find the next person who's going to go do that type of deed mm-hmm. and that I could have the opportunity to get in front of them. I always say this in the, like the classes that I teach. You know, Timothy Thomas, uh, or Timothy McVeigh, God, a lot of Timothys are assholes. Too many, yeah, assholes. Don't name yeah. my kids You're Timothy. not wrong. Yeah, let's, let's, let's just cancel that name altogether. <laughs> but Timothy McVeigh traveled all the way from Junction City, Kansas to Oklahoma City uh-huh. in, a, in a rider moving truck and was never once encountered by law enforcement in any meaningful way. And you got to think that like, you have that one opportunity, you know, like Eminem says in that song, but you have one shot, one opportunity, you're going to you gonna do it or you're going to let it slip. And I, I wanted to be out there to be, be that person that's going to be like, I could stand in front of this. And for as awesome as this traffic stop was that was done by uh, Charlie Hanger from the Oklahoma State Highway Patrol, right. he makes the traffic stop at Timothy uh, McVeigh as he's coming out of Oklahoma City bomb and he has him in custody within an hour for a um, possession of a firearm offense. That's an awesome stop northbound, but how fucking cool would that stop be southbound? Right. Nobody yeah. would know before, his before it happened. Yeah. Before it happened, you never heard of Timothy McVeigh. You would never heard of Timothy McVeigh. You wouldn't have heard of Charlie Hanger, and I know Charlie Hanger, and Charlie Hanger would prefer it that way. You got to think that yeah, that but there guy. There wouldn't be memorial in Oklahoma City either, which is I yeah guess. from a traffic stop. From a traffic you stop. Know, let's keep that in right. mind because yeah. there's a push to, and I'm sure you guys know in bigger metro areas to eliminate quote-unquote minor traffic stops for let's just say a registration sure. violation i think that's uh that's terrifying that's terrifying to me idiotic as a citizen too because it's like hey i pay taxes i expect other people to be paying the registration as well and and, and all that stuff and but it's more than that right so it, much more that comes from this this stop absolutely what comes from that is, is is these types of encounters that we have with these potential criminals and the 9-11 uh, suicide hijackers, those guys, I think, of the ones that committed it, I think three of them were stopped by cops within the week leading up to the event. Which, you know, would they have been able to pick up on that? It's tough to tell. Right. You know, we, we talk about 
you know, what things look like post 9-11. Post 9-11, I think that guy gets picked up. Uh-huh. I think mm-hmm. that guy gets put on a radar. Pre-9-11, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough ask. But I think for Timothy uh, McVeigh, I think 100% that guy's leaking behaviors that are consistent with criminal behavior that you should be picking up on that makes you want to search that vehicle. Yeah, without question. And I think that if we had uh, been out there, and I'd like to think if I'm that person sitting in the media watching Timothy McVeigh drive by me, then I'm going to pick up on all that nervous behavior because he's sitting on all that info. And that's the thing I keep pushing to everybody that wants to listen. It's like you have that opportunity every time that you go out there and you work to put yourself in front of that that incident. Mm-hmm. Whether it's an incident that involves somebody blowing up the, the Oklahoma City uh, Federal Building or somebody that inter- intervenes when a child's being abused and you're able to intercept that or a drunk driver. It all is the same. You know, it takes all the same skills. And if we can... If we can just get excited about that and every day we go to work and say, I have the opportunity to stand in the way of somebody's life changing dramatically because this person isn't going to be able to do what this person is going to do because of my efforts. I think that's extremely motivating. So I think 9-11 is just like my favorite day to work because it it honors those people that lost their lives on that day. And it also says, hey, this is what we have the potential of stopping. I think it's exciting. I agree. I, I, I love it. And even in my position today, um, man, I get so stoked to be able to intervene in those opportunities. That's pretty cool. Like the deal Thanksgiving last year. Was it Thanksgiving? You got to refresh my memory. Uh, The human trafficking deal in Texas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Have you heard this? I have not. So this is legit. I don't know if it's legit, but no, here's it's, the thing. It's, it's like, legit. legit. I told we had a, about it. It's legit. <laughs> we had a call from FBI out of San Antonio, and they were like, hey, we got an emergency ping up on this her, on this vehicle, but it's uh, on this so on this good. phone, but that is uh, doing kidnapping for ransom, but our ping's getting ready to expire. Last known location was northbound on I-35 in Kansas City. And so, you know, we... I get the call in the task force I'm in. I'm like, I, I, I send people up uh, Interstate 29, send people, and I, I go up I-35 and I start doing the time distance formula in my head. I'm like, man, if I hit, if I hit Cameron, I'm gonna start pulling off the exits. Which, to make by sure. the way, speaks to who he is. Yeah. In all seriousness. Yes. Me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I, I, I can do math. Yeah, but you, 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 it speaks to who you are. It's just as easy as you all, you know as well as I do. It's just as easy to go. That's somebody else's problem, mm-hmm. and let's call some people and go, "Hey, be on lookout for this." Yep. And they may not care about it the way you do. And I'm not, and I'm not disparaging our profession, but like it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll look for five minutes, and then it doesn't come by, and blah blah blah. I'm back in so service. Yeah. I, I can, it's, I important, can, it's important you understand that. I, I can I think it uh, comes to like this championship mindset where it's just like, you, you you've been on losing teams all the time. They all have kind of the same attitude, right? And they're like, yeah, you know, I don't. That's not for me. That's not what I do. Or, uh, we're not capable of that. Um, you know, going back to work with Brooks McGinnis, I, I will say his name all the time because Legit, dude. the guy that taught me how to swim. Um, I didn't know he was a swimmer. No, he's not very good swimmer, but <laughs> he, you know. Oh, you mean so it's a metaphor? Very metaphor thing. I'm, I'm, very too, I'm way too literal for that <laughs> kind of bullshit. But we are never out. We are never out of an opportunity to make an impact. And 
anyway, jump up there, I-35, I start checking exits right around Cameron where I think we maybe that I should be seeing these people at this point in time if they, can, if they continue north on 35. What are the chances? I don't know, fairly low, but I think we make our own luck. So I go hmm. and check this gas station. I see these guys uh, talking on a cell phone. I've got the phone number. Uh, he hangs up the cell phone. I call the cell phone. Sure enough, phone rings. It looks like you know he, he answers it. I hang right up. I call one of our troopers that are nearby, ready to go on that. He makes the car stop on the vehicle. We subsequently, you know, confirm that that's the phone that's been making these kidnapping for ransom threats and, and uh, holding what we know is like a 19-year-old girl and her two-year-old daughter. Um, that they're trying to extort family members in the United States for like somewhere like six thousand, six thousand dollars or something like that. And nothing. Yeah, we, we, we go on in there. Yeah. Nothing for in. a human life. I mean, yeah, when, I you, that's, yeah. when you look at that, and you go, "All right, six thousand dollars, and I'll sell you flesh for six thousand dollars." I was gonna, yeah. I was actually gonna confirm six thousand dollars when he said that. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't. Wow, those people. Wasn't a crazy amount. But Leave uh, that in. okay. I think you guys would sell me for six thousand dollars. <laughs> well, I'd sell you for less than that, but I'm <laughs> like a normal human being is worth <laughs> more than what you're worth. <laughs> So, so we do the interview, and the guy admits that he's got 20-some other people held in uh, a warehouse inside of San Antonio, Texas, and they're basically being held God. there against their will. All were kidnapping for ransom type of scenarios. So they're like infants all the way up to like yeah, so we had adolescent this, girls, right? We have this two-year-old child. It's unbelievable. You know, males and females inside there, but primarily we're females, all being extorted, you know, kidnapping for ransom type of scenario out of uh, Central America, they got to the United States, they started extorting them at that point in time. And uh, so, pass that information from the interview on down to San Antonio. San Antonio uh, FBI kicks in the door, they get those people rescued. Wow. And that's on Christmas Day, which is like a you know, wow. Christmas miracle in my mind, man. I was yeah, so happy about that. And uh, I, you know, for as cool as that event was, it's still, it's just like, my heart is just broken for yeah. those people. Yeah. The experience yeah, sure. that they've gone through to try to get into the United States and have a predator like these people take advantage of their situation just terribly. But uh, that's, that's one of those situations right there where, uh, sorry to dominate here, but it's just like, it, it, if you don't have this idea, if you don't have this confidence that you're the change maker that has that possibility of making a change, then what are you doing out here? Yeah. You know, right. I, I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's speeding ticket. I don't care if it's DWI. I want you to have passion about what it is that you enjoy doing and then pursue that. If, if people are just going to sit there and collect a paycheck, man, what kind of life is that? I just don't get, I just don't get that mindset at all. Go make an impact. And I, don't, I really don't care how that impact is. Just as long as you find your passion to make that impact. And pursue it. Pursue it. Just pursue it with the, with this elite attitude that I'm going to know my craft. I'm going to practice my craft. I'm going to do everything I can to find my weaknesses in my craft, shore up those weaknesses, and then take it to the criminal element. I think that that's, that's so damn exciting. I say that with, I just want to go work, go to work. Yeah, give me goosebumps. I want to go to work right now. Get my patrol car right now. I want to go. I want to go to work. You know. So not me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the struggle. I think everybody here 
experiences yeah. is that we have this passion to go make differences, but what do we leave in the wake behind us? Uh-huh. And I just had this conversation in a class that I'm teaching right now to our uh, advanced narcotics group, the uh, undercover school that we put on, is you got to you got to make sure that everything's 100% at home so you can be 100% at work. And if you're you're failing on your your home aspect, I don't even want you to come to work until you to get that that home life figured out cuz you got to be 100% here at work too. So 100% at home first, then you can be 100% at work so you're not distracted by all the problems that you may be left behind because you know you did something stupid like not built your dog a high chair a high so chair. he can sit in because he's got horizontal she, esophagus she disease. Yeah. She's, she's got horizontal esophagus got disease. So Enlargement would, syndrome. Dogs are a renewable resource, so like push mowers yeah. and like freaking three runners. And when you're done with one, you get rid of them and you get another one. That's, <laughs> that's a little background the of the story. Fact. AG has a dog with enlarged esophagus disease syndrome, oh and he's got to build it a custom up. chair. It's not even a real freaking. He's got to build it a custom chair so it doesn't vomit all of its food out. And he's just, he's on it. He's excited about doing this. This is it. the shit that I'm dealing with. <laughs> we, literally, I want you to think about the freaking like the disparity of technology. We have people on the moon right now, performing fucking experiments about you know water on Mars or whatever they're doing. I don't know because I'm not in that. This is the shit I'm dealing with. You just think I'm building high chairs for for dogs. <laughs> And we got monkeys in space, man. Yeah. Uh, cruising around, yeah, with like remote control cars. They literally the are like doing dog. stuff in space, so like doing flips and shit. And I'm building a, <laughs> I'm building a fucking <laughs> thing for a dog to not throw up. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, seriously, that's geez. it. Just doesn't make sense. Well, I know when you could be uh, rescuing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hostage immigrants you're like i could be building a dog chair right yeah now. yeah but i'm saying take care of that stuff first so you can take care of that other stuff at work so well, gonna... the solution to that is they make more dogs <laughs> if you if you, we open the door right now we could hear dogs making other dogs they're literally 100 percent of the time there's dogs breeding making other dogs and we could just take one of those dogs yeah in. no need for a dog chair the, right yeah then we could have a non-broke dog <laughs> like a non-defective yeah. do- we've we've come up with an effective dog yeah, and i love the dog she's a really good dog but but for crying out loud i mean like we're stuck with an infant for the next however long those dogs last I mean, 12 years crying out loud. Yeah. yeah 12 <laughs> at years at least another decade minimum beyond your retirement in 12 years I'm going to be 114 years old <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I at 114 I don't want to be freaking feeding a dog a upright in a, but... in a <laughs> air <laughs> oh man god alright I'm going to come back to a more serious question I mean not that dog high chairs are yeah, not, not that I want to touch living. on what Greg said here is that I disagree well I don't disagree but I I just want to put it in a different perspective. I've never been happier in my life than in a point where I was serving other people. And we can look at it as, as like, and I get, and I totally respect his per, per perspective of this, is it's like, okay, we want to go out and we want to, like, attack the criminal alarm or whatever. But um, I look at it as like this, is like there's no higher calling than serving other people. And that is especially victimized other people. Right, people that are not in control of their situation, and that is so sad and horrible um, to think about that. And uh, 
that's what's always I think that's what's always motivated me is where you go okay you find a person that's being victimized and you find the person that's victimizing it our job is to get in between those two and make that shit stop the day before yesterday that is our job in law enforcement and uh, I don't care I think it. it's the same thing you're saying it's just yeah, maybe you're saying just, the same thing maybe, maybe just a different, different terminology yeah. and I used to teach that it's like I would tell them like the stuff that you do in between those events is all cannon fodder. It mm-hmm. makes no difference. Put cars on the shoulder, blah, 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 this, and there. You find somebody that's being victimized, and you find the person that's victimizing, and you get in between them, and you make it stop. That's your freaking job as a cop in, in America. Yeah. And I, I look at, like, a, even even stranded motorists. It's like, life is kicking these people in the teeth yes. every, you know, all the freaking time. And in my position now, I don't get to do this part of the job. And somebody asked me one time, what do you miss most about being in uniform? The silliest answer that people hear is like, I miss the stranded motorist. It's not untrue. I, I miss being able to help somebody change their tire because life is kicking them in the teeth. And I can say, you know what? Take a break. Stop Sit getting in kicked the car in. and I'll freaking change your tire. Yeah. Enjoy the AC while I change your tire because you know 100%. You, you need a break for this stuff. And, you know, that that's a mood changer all the way for somebody. Yeah. Um, Gratitude is a powerful thing, and I try to exercise that in my life every day, even no matter how crappy the day is, the dog's throwing up because it doesn't have a high chair, or my tire's <laughs> getting flat, or whatever. I, if I can find some gratitude in my day, I feel like that kick starts. I've never changed the oil on a push mower, and I never will. <laughs> because it is, it is absolutely the dumbest thing. Push mowers, when the oil goes bad, you know what you do? You, you drive them, you throw them in the Missouri River, and you get another one. <laughs> That is just the way. That is just the way things work. Yeah. I can't even believe they put oil in push mower. We ought to just. They're just. So I didn't stupid. know anybody ever changed oils in push mower. What's funny is I was mowing yesterday, and I thought I need to change oil in this. No, thing. you then don't. Like, you never. Well, you change, well, I stopped no. and I said, I don't think you change oil in these things. You no, just you get don't. One. No. Okay. You just run them. It comes with one like quarter of a quart. <laughs> you put it in one time and it's done. If yeah. I, if they made AG push mowers, it'd be this. <laughs> hey, just mow this mother. Don't sharpen the blades. <laughs> don't freaking change the oil. Don't clean air filter. Air filter cleaning is for cowards. Yeah. Just yeah. Throw it away and get a new one. Yes. They're only like $75. They're pretty much <laughs> disposable. Yeah. It's like Q-tips. Like dogs. I look at them like Q-tips. Yeah. It's like dogs. Like dogs I mean, that throw up. Do you service Q-tips? No. Do you go, I'm going to clean these Q-tips out? And No, you don't. You get rid of them and you get a new one. That's the way it is. Mowing yards is stupid, by the way. Yeah. I could go on and on about mowing yards. I think we need to bring prairie grass so back and make that a fashionable stupid. thing. The only thing edible in my freaking lawn is not the bluegrass, it's the freaking dandelions. Shitney wants to plant uh, wildflowers, clover. which I'm t- or clover, which I'm totally on board with. Yeah, I would be I'm out on mowing. Too. Mowing is so stupid. It's a time suck. It's a self-serving, arrogant enterprise all i do and i got no time for any of it i just sit there walking back and forth getting angry about mowing the yeah you're mad that the grass is growing i could be doing a million other things yesterday 9 a.m i was here i am mowing the yard and then you got these people that are collecting their clippings and those people that's a problem that is like mental health 101 yeah yeah like if you if you bag no. Yard clippings. I agree. That's a mental health yeah. problem. I went and visited a friend like that lived in a burb of Kansas City, and we were like doing some yard work. I was helping her outside. She pulls out a brown bag. I'm like, nope. 
what are you doing with that? And she You're starts wrong. putting You just hit the dog like, shit and you hit everything. I forgot. I was like, I'm from the, the country. Yard. We just blow that everywhere. Yeah. Let the wind take it. And it's just out there. I can't there, shoot it far it's enough in the world. The yes. While we have an audience here, I want to make sure that people know. <laughs> Just because you blow grass clippings onto the highway does not mean that motorcyclists are going to wreck. <laughs> I have yet to work a motorcycle crash that, that, was, yeah. that was a result of grass clippings blown on the freaking highway. <laughs> Good <laughs> lord. I hear that all the time. I'm like, I've never heard of that That's happening. never, yeah. Yeah. But there's like, there's like, I'm sure it's inconvenient. Well, I'm sure it's, it. like, don't I'm do sure this. it doesn't feel good. It probably is like itchy if it gets in your like yeah, biker gear. Scenario, but yeah, but I don't. <laughs> Those poor bikers. Uh, <laughs> All right. They've dressed up for nothing. <laughs> they just got and their grass allergies. Chaps. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I want to come back to a uh, uh, stranded motorist kind of thing you guys were talking about because I had a uh, thing happen the other day and I took it for granted and I kind of I caught myself halfway through but I just want to tell you guys a story because I haven't told anybody about it. Uh, this was like two weeks ago, so I stop. It's like remember it was like 106 outside of just. Yeah, just the surface blazing. of the sun yes. came to Missouri. It's blazing hot. It's global warming, so you're not, what yeah. do So I see a stranded motorist, and I pull over, and I see a, a lady. She's on her phone. She's kind of like in the ditch. And there's a guy, uh, this little Nissan uh, Frontier. Is that the little pickups? Mm-hmm. I think they're called Nissan Assholes. Actually. Yeah, Nissan Assholes. <laughs> I think that's and the <laughs> And he's changing this tire, but he's struggling, and he's just drenched in sweat, and he can't get the, he can't get the lug nut loose. Right. And in my mind, I'm going, you're, he's probably he's probably like early 40s, mid 40s. Looks like he's in good shape. And in my mind, I'm going, this guy. I don't like it. She pointed at me. I did. I yeah, he caught, he, yeah, he no. kind of caught himself, no, but he I didn't. didn't catch hey. himself. He's like, he's right. Not, I pointed you know, right maybe at early. But he looked like he was in good shape, and he couldn't break this lug nut loose. So I walk up, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to have to do this. Were you flexing when you did? Yeah, I did some push-ups. You rolled up your sleeves yeah. Yeah. I actually got the, uh, the uh, what is it, shake weight? Shake yeah. weight. <laughs> I started shake weighting in my car before I got out. And yeah, that's what took so long. So the guy wasn't sweating when he pulled over. Why is this cop sitting behind me? Nine, nine minutes of shake waiting yeah. oh. and then two minutes of bringing taking selfies <laughs> no big deal so up, but while we're talking about that I actually wrote up an SHP 15 or, about shake weights <laughs> I did I wrote up one uh, I had a really cool uh, lieutenant for a while but I, I wrote him up a on April 1st you know April Fool's Day I wanted to have uh, toddler size bulletproof vest for take your child to work day yeah, so I wrote, that up, I wrote that up, and then I wrote up that I wanted the shake weight to be the official mm. uh, workout implement of our agency. Yeah. So guys, guys could be working on that. Proposals. Proposals. Show me. Solid <laughs> proposals. As, as cars are driving by, they just see my, my, <laughs> your shake weight my motion. Me your just gyrating motion. up and down, just sweating, looking, <laughs> making eye contact with them, too, as I'm driving It's really by. not that weird as I thought it would be when I watched you do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really thought, like, that's, that's well, inappropriate. But now like when a, I see it, it's like... All right, I can buy there that. There is the shake weight advance where you up and down and you twist yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. But I haven't got to that level yet. But anyway, I want to rewind. That's like, why you're still a corporal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's many reasons I'm still there. But, hey, how much time you got? <laughs> so anyway, as I stopped this guy, and I'm, or, I mean, so I stop out with this guy, and I'm like, I'm going to have to break this lug nut loose. So sure enough, I get out break it loose i mean i'm not being a an a-hole but i'm thinking you get you can't change your own tire yeah what kind of beta are you right so i i mean seriously you're having those thoughts so i'm changing the tire no big deal so the the male kind of goes to the back of the pickup truck and the female finally comes over gets off her cell phone 
oh, you know, thanks for stopping. I appreciate it. So we get to chit-chat while I'm changing the tire. Now the guy's sitting back on the tailgate, sitting down. And I'm going, this asshole is going to sit in 106. I'm going to change his tire. Uh, You know, you're having these thoughts. So finally, I, I get talking to his wife. Long story short, he has too late for that. Some sort of ex- <laughs> some sort of like a, a advanced cancer, and they're on their oh. way to St. Louis to get this treatment. And she was on the phone with the doctor saying we're going to be a half hour, hour late. The guy never told me, mm-hmm. and I thought, what an asshole move or an asshole mindset for me to think I know what this guy's going through, stopping and changing his time. I mean, what a yeah. You know what I mean? It so I brought call, me back in. I call him a beta male at the beginning there, but then now I'm like, dude, that's... Yeah. that's what a baller. You guys no, are assholes. No, but... but <laughs> that's the theme of this story. What I'm saying is sometimes... I kept my mouth the... shut, and now I'm team... Yeah, <laughs> yeah now you're and the... you guys are team shitbags. But we go into that with those those small things, with that mindset of, I can't believe these people can't help themselves, not knowing what they're truly going through at the time. Yeah. And if she never would have told me, to this day I would have sat here and said... I can't believe that grown man couldn't change his own tire. Yeah. So, you know so I mean? a person that we both know, that which I, I think about this a lot, is that he said, and I don't know where he picked it up, but he said, imagine the power of expecting positive intent out of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And imagine that if we walked around thinking, um, instead of when I see something, I, I don't, so we're negative people. Yeah. Right? I mean... I think that has to do with the job, right? Sometimes, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a self defense mechanism. But we become negative in the sense that we always expect the worst out of people. And imagine the difference in the world that if we automatically thought the reason that this is happening was for some kind of positive reason. Yeah. Right. And uh, and that's I struggle with that. I think we all do. Yeah. And I wish did. I and I wish I didn't and I try. I try it with my kids, I try it with my wife and it's like, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm automatically judgmental because of things that we've experienced versus you going, "Hey, maybe this is like automatically thinking from a positive standpoint. Maybe mm-hmm. this is what that person's doing." And I'm not saying you whatever a thought, "Hey, that guy's got cancer and that's right. why he's not doing this." But instead of rolling up and going, "Hey, man, maybe there's a reason this guy is not is not able to perform this task right. and and you know I'm going to go out and help him regardless of what that yeah. is or whatever but, you know, I, I didn't and how many of us do that I'm and not then, getting down on you no, I, I, we all do well, it, it I was disappointed in myself because I, I hold myself to a higher standard than that and I fell into that I don't want to say trap but that mindset of oh everything's negative yeah for sure I'm hot I'm sweating and then I'm glad, so glad that she told me that because it it was kind of a gut check for me. Like, who are you? Who do you think you are to right. judge this person who you don't know? Well, I mean, it's easy to get in that mindset. Like working in e- like ERs and urgent cares too. Like it's the it's you end the day easier if you think everybody's just doing the best they can. And whatever the situation is, it may not. He's weak. He's tired. He's battling cancer. Whatever. But everybody's doing the best they can. So you end the day seeing some of the terrible things that you see and the unfortunate situations that you're in. Hey, like I was able to fill a gap there, or, you right. know, to help meet a need that somebody had, but they were doing the best they could with what they mm-hmm. had, whether yeah. that's a certain level of education or resources or, yeah. you know, I, manual strength in your situation. Yeah, a gun show here, um, change anybody's tire. Yeah. Like any like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, that's uh, true. But, you know, how many tires have you guys changed um, in Four. between? 
Four. <laughs> in between. Four. And I hated every freaking one. <laughs> I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> Where it's like, you got this this kid, this young man, yeah. who's never had a father figure in his life right. or whatever, and it's just like, take the time to show him how yeah. to take the time. Or, or the, the, the girl, the little girl that's like, that's my daughter right there. I'm like, mm-hmm. I could show her how to, you know, care for herself here and change this tire. And they, they've never had that exposure to that, that experience and be able to teach them through that, that, that struggle. Maybe the next time there's not somebody handy right there to be able to change your tire, that they've got the resources now to be able to do it. And that, that's, that's another cool thing about our job that goes from, I mean, we're talking about changing somebody's tire to, to rescuing uh, 20, you know, kidnapping for ransom victims. Right. And it's like everything in between. It's all serves to people. It's, you're exactly right. And that's the spot on, man. It's just like, I, th- I think that's, that's the spot right there. Service to others is where I get excited. I watched my, uh, one of the, my corporals when I first came on, we talked to him earlier and I was riding with him and we'd stop the same thing. It was a guy, it was, he was probably maybe in his late teens and he had never, he was sitting out there and the tire sitting beside the car. Like he had done what, like he had, he had reached his capacity to freaking fix the problem. And we roll up on this and he gets out and he goes, we're going to teach him how to change his tire. And he got out and he said, Hey, can I, so it started with this. Can I help you? And the guy's like, yeah, I don't know how to change the tire. And he goes, is it okay if I teach you how to change your tire? And he's like, yeah, cause I would like to mm-hmm. know how to do it. And he talked him through the entire process. And, you know, I learned a lot from that in the sense that you go, you know, we, I, I think along the lines of uh, like having this mindset or this ideal that that we see the negative in people, what we also do is that we we naturally kind of make that bridge that people don't want to help themselves. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I hate, hate with a passion the fucking sheepdog analogy that you know that you get like when people talk about the sheep and sheepdog and wolf analogies it's like okay so we are the freaking sheepdog that are protecting people that can't protect themselves that is such bullshit and when i used to teach it i would teach this is like okay before you all got into law enforcement how many of you all would consider yourselves a sheep and of course no hands came up right right it's like you weren't sheep before you came here we don't have to hang a badge on your chest to, to grant you the authority to be what you should be. And I'm not talking about male or female. I'm just talking about people that are self-reliant individuals, right? And so it's like, okay, we we don't grant you that authority. All we do now is you're, you're what we're doing is we're redirecting that energy from you're taking care of yourself and now it's your job to take care of the people. That's what police work is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so going back to that story is like, he said, hey, can I help you learn, you know, can I help you teach you, you know, can I teach you to freaking change your tire? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And he talked him through it step by step. And I saw a change in an individual. I mean, imagine the power of that contact with that individual that sees the police as going, I'm here to help you. And I'm here to teach you. Like, it's a, it's like coming full circle in the sense that like I'm here to, to help you um, fulfill what it is that you want to. Fu- you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like that's just that'll that sticks with me forever because I don't ever remember that guy's. I will never forget that guy's that face that he had. It was like, yeah, I want you to help me 
Learned, nobody ever taught me this, and I yeah. want you to teach me this. And he did. He went step by step. He went all the way through it and shook his hand and went, hey. And imagine where that guy potentially is now, right? right? In the sense that versus, like, what's the alternative? You show up and you go, browbeat somebody? Right. And you go, hey, dude, hey, you're a freaking teenager. You should know how to you change your tire. This, right. this is ridiculous. You don't know how to do this, blah, blah, blah. This Which is what we do, though. I don't know that Sometimes. guy's... I don't know that guy's freaking story. Right. Maybe that guy's dad died when he was five years old and, never, right. and he never had an authority figure to help him change a tire. Yeah. Ladies and gents. Hey, it's Bird here. Thank you for listening to part one of the Liquor, Guns, and Ammo. Make sure you tune in for part two. It's going to be great, and I don't want you guys to miss it. Love you. Stay safe.